It's really, really good to be here this morning with you. Um, I have uh, really enjoyed getting to know Jeremy over the years and um, have heard many things about your church um, for a lot of years. We have um, folks who have moved from Norman and Providence Road uh, to the city and to be with us at Frontline. And I just want to say, like, they're good people. They're really good people. They love Jesus. They're leaders. They're giving their lives away. And um, we've inherited what you've given to us. And um, so it's really just a, it's a joy to be here. Um, I've gotten to know uh, Jay through the basketball court. Um, as he's like dead eye, just torched me with three-point shot over and over and over again and ridiculed me and heckled me and left me as an emotional puddle on the court. And so uh, thankfully, like, uh, you know, I, I trust that not all of you are like Jay, that you wouldn't ridicule somebody like that. But um, it's really good to, to be here. It's an honor. And so thank you for being a salty, bright church like you are. Um, I want to do first things first and introduce my wife and my boys. So this is us looking just as good as we could possibly look. This is us in our, in our good clothes. Um, so my wife and I have been married for 24 years this year. I got that right. 23, it's going to be 24 this year. So got that one right. God be praised. Um, and then Alec is over here on the left. He's 17 and Joel turns 16 this month, which is a big deal. Gets his license and um, just watch out, watch out on the road. So um, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians 13. We're going to dive into the scriptures together. And uh, I want to preach through one of the most unique verses in the entire New Testament this morning. So um, while you're turning there, let's just take a moment and pray and ask, ask God to speak to us through the word. If you would, just, just kind of settle yourself in this moment, and, and um, God is here by His Spirit. We have the Word of God, and just, just individually in your own hearts, just ask Him to speak to you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for giving us the Bible that we could have revelation um, of who you are and of reality and of life. And um, we're amazed that you would give us your word. Thank you for giving us um, the gospel. That's um, the power of God to salvation. And Lord, I pray that anyone here or watching online who doesn't know um, of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ or the love of God or the communion with the Holy Spirit um, would realize their need for you and, and um, be saved today. Jesus, we honor you. We worship you. We say you are King and Lord. And um, would you have our time, have our hearts today in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, well, December 31st is kind of an intense day around our house. Um, I am a goals person. I don't know if you roll that way. I, I roll that way, and I have a, a bunch of different goals. And um, a few of those goals land on December 31st, like how many books I want to read, um, how many miles I want to run, and like how much weight I want to have, where I want to be at the end of the year. So like inevitably, 
and I drive my family nuts, like that last day is like running, reading, and fasting day, right? And that ought not impress you. That ought to like probably disturb you a little bit because it's disturbing to me about myself. Um, but I don't know whether you're a goals person or not, but um, the, the turn of the year, you know, always has a little bit of fresh optimism no matter how you roll. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but it felt like just, just culturally and collectively, we had this like um, weird power trip kind of thing against 2020. Like there's never been a, in my lifetime a more anticipated new number for the year right? 2021. It's like we all said, yeah, 2020, no more. 2021, you know, she's mine now and watch this. So you have no power over me, right? So there's, there's this sort of optimism that can come. And uh, every year around this time, um, I, I do have this sort of back of the mind question in, in my heart. I don't know if you have this at all, but it's like, what if I crush every single one of my goals, just hit them right in the mouth. But at the end of the year, I have less affection for Jesus. Am I okay with that? Would you be okay with that? Or the opposite, like you don't hit any of your goals, but you have greater love for Jesus. That would be a successful year. So, um, as I was praying for you, and at the beginning of a new year, I just had this one verse um, coming to my mind over and over and over, and I just have a sense that the Lord has something for you today in it. And it's, it's, it's very simply one, one verse, um, and my hope is in preaching this verse that you would cultivate passion for God as your number one priority this year. It's your number one goal, overarching every other goal that you would have, would be to cultivate passion for God. Now, some of you, you're right there, like Jesus is, is first place in your heart, and you love him, you're enjoying him, you're giving your life away. Others of you, my sense was that um, if you're honest, you've lost zeal for God. You've lost zeal for God, whether that's through heaviness or just 2020 or life circumstances. Um, you've lost some zeal for God, and I just want to unashamedly call you back to him. Um, I want to do that not with guilt and shame and like the try harder kind of message, but simply presenting to you who God is in all of his beauties and invite you and entice you right, to return to your first love. So this one verse is 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. And because it's always important never to like wrench a, a text out of its context, let me tell you what's going on here. Um, the church of Corinth were some of Paul's really good friends. You've been in a series on Corinthians, right? You know this, they're kind of a hot mess. God had radically saved them, but they're immature and the city's really dark. They got a lot of things going over um, at, at the church. But Paul had spent over a year and a half with them. And in between first letter and second letter, um, they had turned on him. They'd accused him of misusing his authority, breaking promises, um, being out for money. And so 2 Corinthians is one of Paul's like 
most confrontational letters. And yet at the same time, it's raw and vulnerable. So the thing he's going to say last is significant. It's going to matter because it may be the last words that they read from him. And what's he do within all their crazy? He blesses them. He blesses them. And the reason it's so unique is it's because the only place in the New Testament where you see explicitly the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, blessed Trinity, in a blessing. And so it's a significant verse. Very simply, I just want to walk you through it. Let me read it to you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let me read it once more. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Grace, love, fellowship of the Spirit. Um, Now, these are three of the greatest gifts that a human being could ever receive. And if you are in Christ, then they are yours. They're yours. Now, you could dedicate an entire series of sermons, right, to, to, to these three things. And it'd be real easy just to kind of check out, right, like talking about flying to a bird. Yeah, I, I, I get it, you know. Um, but grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, listen, are like if you're spiritually stuck or apathetic, these are the three gifts that God gives you to get you unstuck and to restore your love and zeal for Him. And my, my desire today is not to like make you smarter theologically. Doctrine is important, absolutely. Loving God with your mind, absolutely. But my hope today is that you would choose one of these things And over the course of the year, you would just ask God for revelation to reveal one of these things more to your heart over the course of 2021. So let's walk through them. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Certainly, um, this is the gospel. It's what God has done for us. It's what we sang this morning. We ought to rehearse it and reflect on it. Yes, that is part of our faith. And the gospel is this. God created human beings out of the overflow of his heart of love. But we rejected him. We rebelled. We said, God, we want everything that you've made. We want all your stuff. We want this party. and We want to do what we want. But we prefer not to have you in the room. We're going to do our own thing. We're born sinners. So by nature and by choice, we're sheep who've gone astray. We've gone our own way. But Jesus, fully God, fully man, humbles himself, right? Lives a sinless life, the life you would expect God to live if he came and was a human. And he hung with the poor. He fed the hungry. He, he healed people. He cast demons out of people. Right? He spoke truth to power, both religious and political. Right? And then he died a sinner's death, though he was completely innocent. Right? And he said he did it for you and for me as an atoning sacrifice for our sin as the runaway bride. 
he kept coming after us. He laid his life down. And then he rose again. This is Easter. This is why we celebrate vindicating his claim to be God in the flesh. And he's still alive so that if you repent and put your trust in him, your faith in him, say, Jesus, your Lord, forgive me of my sin. This is what John says. This is what John says. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Have we all been created in his image? Yes. But we're separated and we need to receive him so that we will be adopted sons and daughters. It's the best news you're ever going to hear in your life. And yes, we need to reflect on it. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, grace is yours. 1 Corinthians 1.4, the start of Paul's first letter. He says that to the Corinthians. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Past. So why does Paul pray at the end of his letter that grace of Jesus would be with them all, present, ongoing? Well, it doesn't have to think, do anything to do with like losing your salvation and getting back. That's craziness. I think it has to do with the fact that we drift. Love for Jesus leaks out. And we need fresh realizations, right? fresh injections of the grace of Jesus. Let me explain. Um, the grace is at the core of his heart. I think human nature is such that when a a person is more rich and more powerful and more beautiful, right? We naturally, instinctually think, yeah, they have less time for the poor and the broken and the hurting, the hoi polloi, us, right? That's just human nature. I think that colors the way we see Jesus in our ongoing discipleship to him. Um, he is the resurrected king. He is the Lord. He has all authority. But still, Today, to you and to me, listen, this, this is what he says. Matthew 11, come to me. Now, let's just pause, kind of take this less rushed. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Several years ago, I remember reading this, and I remember it hitting me that this was not my experience of Jesus at all. I've been walking with Jesus several years, grew up in the church, and I just didn't have this. Frankly, when I thought about spending time with God, it didn't feel like rest. It felt like pressure, anxiety. Um, like I'd feel guilty for not coming enough. And, the, you know, like the invitation is great on paper, Lord, but really this just feels exhausting. And so it would keep me away from spending time with him. And what I realized, y'all, is my view of Jesus was just flat wrong was just flat wrong. And the reality is like if you're an introvert, the thought of coming to a person for rest, it actually feels not restful. 
But Jesus makes this invitation. Here's what I didn't get, that he's always good, he's always happy to see me, always has a smile on his face. And um, he doesn't have a finger like in my chest glaring at me around my sin. Jonathan Edwards um, preached a sermon exclusively to the children of his church. Uh, so think like 14 and under. And um, you'd think, what is the greatest theologian in American history? What would he say to his church, to his kids specifically? This is his main point in a sentence. There is no love so great and so wonderful as that which is in the heart of Christ. Jonathan Edwards, you know, mic drop, just boom. That's what he wanted his kids to get. Grace makes you feel small and great all at the same time. Small in the sense that you're you're humbled and you realize he's God and you're not and he's holy. Right? Great in the sense that you've just always wanted to be loved like this, unconditionally. The grace of the Lord Jesus. And when you get grace, your heart changes. Um, so when my boys were younger, um, we were just sitting around one night watching a Thunder game. And I smelled this just foul odor, just this, this stench. And um, I began to sniff, and I'm not going to tell you which boy it is, but I did ask permission from them to tell this story. So here you go. It turned out it was one of my kid's socks that he'd been wearing for some days. I won't tell you how long, but some days, right? And so we began, the other of us just began to like really get into him like, oh, man, what are you doing? You can't do this, whatever. And it went like too far, went a minute or two. And um, then just sort of out of the blue, out of the blue, my boy, without an ounce of like bitterness or disrespect, it was just a moment, he starts singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And our meanness and our ridicule and everything just went crickets. We went quiet. So we're like, yeah, he's right. So we joined in, you know, little ones to him belong. And the atmosphere changed. Just the atmosphere changed. Now, should my kid have been wearing socks for that many days? The answer is no, but that's not the point. The grace of Christ meets us in our sin and in our shame and in the smelly socks of our hearts, and he changes the atmosphere. God actually finds more joy in forgiving you of your sin like a doctor you come to for help and healing. The other point I want to make out of that story is just if your life is just full of suffering right now, it's not plan A, it's like plan F. And um, maybe a loss or a betrayal or disappointment. You, you actually need the grace of Jesus. You need the heart of Jesus a hundred times more than you realize. And um, his invitation is to come and be with the only one in the universe who truly knows 
what it feels like, how you feel. And so maybe this year, the request you would make, because in order for us to realize we need his revelation, you would just ask to realize the grace of Jesus. Secondly, the love of God. Um, There's this twisted idea that in the Godhead, Jesus is the gracious and loving one, and the Father really at the core is just angry. Jesus did come like we prayed or we sang. He did come um, to take on the wrath of God for our sin. We deserve uh, the punishment right, of God because of our sin. Those are consequences. That's true. But the the lie is that God is at core angry. But the, that's just not true. God at the core, at the heart, is love. And that's not like warm, sappy, sentimental kind of thinking. It's in the Bible. Look at Zephaniah 3. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. He's a singing God. Also, 1 John 1, See, look, behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. I had a professor in seminary. um, The last year, we kind of connected, and we would get together and talk and pray, and our hearts just were knitted. And um, at the end of times we would pray together, he would regularly, consistently say to me, John, you have no idea how much the Father loves you. He would say that. What do you say to that (laughs) if you're in my shoes? Like, "Uh, yes, I do. You know, uh, you know, like it was disarming. Do you say like, you don't know how much the Father loves you? It, it was like he didn't have any accusation. It was just coming out of his heart. You have no idea how much the Father loves you. And the thing is, he was right. He was right. I still don't get how much the Father loves me, but 25 years later, I'm getting it a little bit more and more. I've asked dozens of people over the years this question, and I'll ask it to you. How do you think God feels about you? And that thing that just came into your mind, that first thought, is what's true. So hold that. How does God feel about you? I know you know it theologically and doctrinally, and that's beautiful. The most common answer I get from people when I ask that question is disappointed. I feel like I'm a disappointment or tolerating. Um, Maybe they say, I don't know. A few weeks ago, a guy said, I like he's aggravated at my selfishness. I watched uh, two adoptions in the the last few weeks over Christmas break over Zoom, and um, both of them out of really hard situations. It's incredible, right? Adoption. It's amazing. Um, I watched the kids 
And I was just looking to see if they, what they were catching, what they were getting. It's just like an, another day, right? They're playing, they're messing, they're doing whatever. But then you, I turned my focus to the parents, and there are tears of joy and an unshakable smile. <laughs> like, you can feel it coming through virtually. They're, like, they're mine. Finally, they're mine. That's the heart of the Father for you, and not just at salvation, but every day. Every day, Psalm 139 says he can't stop thinking about us. His thoughts are more than sand. So this year, what if you ask the Father to reveal to you more of his love, more of his heart of love? Third thing is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's this? The word here is koinonia. It's a common word you may have heard often in the scriptures. It it extends to like um, the horizontal relationships, the communion that we have with one another. It is unique and distinct and special um, as the body of Christ. True, true. In this context, I believe, and I've checked the commentaries, that it also relates to um, the vertical relationship with... with which we have, we have with the Holy Spirit. Communion, friendship with the Spirit of God. In other words, the gift of a relationship with the Spirit of God is on par in importance to Paul as the grace of Jesus and the love of God. Challenging, isn't it? Striking, isn't it? It's essential that we know the Spirit, that we include Him and listen for His voice and find out what grieves Him and quenches Him and what He loves and what He hates and His promptings. And just to say, clearly Jesus agrees with Paul or Paul agrees with Jesus. John 16, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. You know Him for he dwells with you and will be in you. This happened. Jesus did ask the Father. The Father did give his followers the Spirit. If you're a follower, he lives in you. Do you know him? Do you know him? His job is to help you and me follow Jesus. In fact, you cannot follow Jesus without the Spirit of God. And he's not sub-God. It's not Father, Son, and Cinderella. It's not like Cousin Eddie on Christmas Vacation. You may like the movie Christmas Vacation. It's one of my favorites. You know, Eddie shows up, right, in his beat-up RV and his polyester suit and his white shoes, and everything just turns weird and hilarious and awkward, right? And that's many Christians' view, particularly in the West, of the Holy Spirit, Like, man, I'm not sure I get the Father and the Son, but I'm just not sure about the Holy Spirit, you know? And whenever he shows up, it seems to get like weird and all charismaniac and awkward, you know? But he's essential personnel of the Trinity. He's the third person of the Trinity. And he's not just for conviction of sin and help to make major decisions. You can hear his voice. Okay, two questions, and we'll start to land the plane. I want to answer these. Is hearing the voice of God and, and um, uh, 
relationship, communion with the Holy Spirit? Is that instant? No. Depth of relationship takes time. Um, sometimes younger believers will come to me real frustrated about not like catching or getting like what they think they should in terms of hearing the voice of God. And they, what they're really saying is, I don't have those feelings that I think I should feel. If you know older saints in their 80s and 90s, they've just developed communion with God over time. It's not instant. I've gone months, months without hearing the voice of God, and it's painful. So let me just give you one little, what I would call tension uh, in the scriptures around the voice of God. And I would um, call this, how do, how do you cultivate it? That's the question I want to answer. This tension, the word and whispers. The word of God and whispers of God. First through the word. John Piper wrote this article several years ago, and the title of it was, This Morning I Heard the Voice of God. And you wonder, what did John Piper hear? What did he, what, what, what is this? Do you hear when Jesus is returning? What's going on? So you're reading it. He's talking about when he woke up and, the, you know, what he had. And it was in English, these kinds of things, right? And then as he's going along, you realize he's actually giving you the words of Psalm 66, 5, 6, and 7. The Bible is the voice of God. It's how you hear from God. It's convicting. That's convicting to me. Do, do, I, uh, do I esteem, right, whispers more than the word of God? That's convicting. It ought to be. But he also speaks from the word and under the authority and in conformity to the Bible through whispers. Through whispers, promptings, ways to love people, um, uh, ways to give to people, right? Conscience. He's guiding us. Galatians 5 says, uh, keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so there's this sort of ongoing communion with the Spirit. Isaiah 54, 50 and verse 4 is a messianic prophecy. It's really interesting. It says, morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. So the lifestyle of Jesus was to listen to the Father's instructions, it seems like in the morning, and then go walk that out in obedience to him through the course of the day. Really amazing. So what I do is I just write down what I hear. If I'm sensing something or what God's giving me or an encouragement to my own soul, I'll write and put a star by it in my journal. There's a, a, a little catchphrase that says this about the word and the whispers, word and the spirit. It says this, all word, no spirit, you dry up. All spirit, no word, you blow up. Yeah, seen some of that? Both word and spirit, you grow up. Both word and spirit, you grow up. And so, the invitation I want to make, just as one of the pastors in the city and as a gospel partner with Providence Road Church and feel that like alignment, I've been looking forward to coming here for years as I've gotten to know Jeremy. Like there's blessing from the heart of God over you um, as a church and there's an invitation to this church collectively and to you individually to grow in realization of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the loving heart of the Father over you in communion and companionship of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. And let's just take a, a minute and just in your own heart, your own soul, um, I want to encourage you to um, listen to the Holy Spirit. It may be that he wants to talk to you in this moment about that one word that you felt about the Father's heart towards you. It may be that he wants to tell you what's true. You can trust him. John 10 says, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. Father, Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that for all that you are. And um, as we move from the previous year and into this year, um, would you be our highest love, our highest joy? knowing you not as an afterthought but as the, our greatest treasure Jesus Christ son of God all glory and honor and praise be to you would you grace this church with unity with blessing with affection and passion for you. Would that be cultivated? The person who's the newest, the one who's been around the longest. We consecrate ourselves to you. Thank you that when you show us our sin, you always forgive us and you love it to forgive us. And that when you show us what we, how we've been sinned against, you're always there to heal us. To Brian mercy and grace in our time of need. Would you comfort those who are hurting? Would you strengthen their faith, those who are, faith is failing? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.